This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, April 14th, 2019. I am the vine. So good morning, Connection Church. Isn't this a great day to be here? Yeah. Man, oh man, what a day. Whew. What were you going to say? You said something first service. No, I waited till you got done your beginning. Oh, gosh. My bad. This morning, it's the sixth week of Lent, that season of preparation in the church where we're preparing ourselves for Jesus' last, day on earth, last days on earth, his arrest, his trials, crucifixion, his death, his resurrection. Now, we've been preparing by looking at a series of statements that Jesus made found in the book of John, New Testament, fourth book, second part of the Bible. Each of these statements begins with two words, I am, I am. And then Jesus completes the statement, giving us some insight into who he is. This morning, Jesus tells us, I am the vine. Good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. 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 We want to welcome everyone who's joining us on, which camera do I look at? Right straight ahead? Hi, everybody. We've got Carrie Ann in Greece, and we've got what? CJ Everybody turn Texas around and wave. And everybody wave. There's people watching. There we go. There Hi, we are so glad you're joining us. This is a historic day. This is a historic day in the life of our church that can't be repeated. And we are honored and blessed that each one of you are here today with us. Would you pray with us, please? Almighty God, thank you so much for today. It's a day that you've made, a day that you had in your mind's eye so long ago before we ever had your nudge to start a church. 18 years ago when we launched and this whole journey, God, you knew all about it and we're just along for the ride. It's been quite a ride. And so we thank you today and we honor your holy name as we share your word. May the words of our mouth be honor, honoring and pleasing to you. We pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Before you start, who was here the first month that we started Connection Church where we had the two dowel rods with the sheet and that was our screen? Yeah? Can you guys imagine? Oh, my goodness. Stand up. Stand, Stand up. up. You that. were part of the launch. Uh, we yeah. still have that screen, awesome. by the way. We still have the I screen. I got it in my office. Yes. God has been faithful. God is good. And many yeah. people through the years have jumped on board and Ooh. are a part of this. Places multiply. Right? Yes. Yes. Wow. We're good? We're good. I am the vine, Jesus says. We find this in chapter 15 of, as I said, the book of John. It's part of an extended teaching that Jesus shares with his disciples after they have shared their last meal together. I'm not sure the disciples realize that their last meal, but Jesus does. It's the meal we often refer to as the Last Supper, for good reason. He's preparing these disciples, these followers, for what's about to happen. His death on the cross, his resurrection, and their life 
thereafter. He's preparing them for the tragic ending of a week that, well, a week that started with so much promise. This week began with what is generally known as, as the triumphal entry. We'll be looking at a variety of scriptures, but we're going to start with John chapter 12, beginning at verse 12, and we're reading from the English Standard Version. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard that he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. The triumphal entry. This begins the week, a very special day in, in church life, in church calendar. It's called Palm Sunday. That's why you got a palm when you were coming in. If you didn't get one, please, sure, please be sure to get one as you leave. So back then, people cut branches from palm trees and waved them and laid them down in the street as Jesus and his disciples were coming through town. It was signs of honor fit for a king. Jesus came on a donkey, not a horse. It was a sign of peace as opposed to a sign of victory in battle. And during this parade, it was like this awesome parade, and people were shouting and waving and going crazy, saying, Hosanna, which is an expression of adoration and praise. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord even the king of Israel. Now, the disciples didn't quite get it at this point, didn't understand how this was fulfilling many Old Testament prophecies. Later on, after Jesus was crucified, died, resurrected, and ascended to sit at the right hand of the Father in heaven, after he was glorified, they got it. But the crowd, the crowd, when they saw, what they saw was their king who had come in the name of the Lord. Not long before this, Jesus had raised his friend Lazarus from the dead. And after four days in the tomb, Lazarus came forth after being dead four days. Many in this crowd had either seen or heard about that. And so they went out to see the one, Jesus, who was responsible for this miracle. As a result, Jesus was getting a welcome, the likes of which we reserve for know, athletes. Like the Super Bowl parade. Rock stars, movie stars, you know, those kind of celebrations. That's what this was like. And that's what we call a red letter day. That kind of day that is, you mark it on the calendar, you talk about it to family and friends, you write it down so you won't forget it. Have you ever had a red letter day? Today, for me, <laughs> is a red letter day. Amen. One we will never forget and likely you won't forget either. 
Today is a red letter day mm. for all of us. The challenge with red letter days is they don't last, do they? That's why they're called days, not months, weeks, years, or lifetimes. Red letter days. Mine haven't, and I'm sure yours haven't either. You know, someone or something bursts the balloon, brings us back down to earth, brings us back to reality. Yeah, red letter days are great, but they don't last. Well, it sure didn't for Jesus. It didn't last at all. And three other books about Jesus' life and ministry, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we're, we're teaching from John. But in those three other books, we're told that after the parade, he mm. went out into Jerusalem and straight to the temple. You might have heard about this story where he got really upset, really ticked off because the temple, which is, which is holy and set apart for God, became like a marketplace. And, and you had to bring a sacrifice. And so people were selling sacrificial doves and other things at this out overinflated price because they were there for a Passover feast, which was so important in this culture. So Jesus was really angry and spoke about it. And then we read in Mark chapter 11, verse 18, and the chief priests and scribes heard it, heard what Jesus was saying, and were seeking a way to destroy him. For they feared him, because all the crowd was astonished by his teaching. So much for the triumphal entry, huh? So much for the red-letter day. Jesus was aware of what was going on, aware that his earthly days were numbered. When two of his disciples, Andrew and Philip, told him that some out-of-town worshipers wanted to see him, Jesus answered them, The hour has come, he said, for the, for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, Jesus says. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified, Jesus says. Now, earlier in John, we read where Jesus says the time has not come. And then the time will come. And now he says the hour has come. It means that Jesus knows that he's on his journey toward his own death. To give his life for you and for me to be glorified through his death and resurrection. Jesus continues to teach and he shares with his disciples um, the Last Supper. They have this final meal together. You may know this story where Jesus takes a towel and kneels at the feet of his disciples and washes their feet. Can you imagine your feet being washed by Jesus? And that's what he did. It was a celebration of the Passover feast. And he gave new meaning to the meal as he said, the next time when I'm not here, take this bread and remember me. Remember it's my body. And when you take the wine, remember it's my blood given for you. 
And then Jesus continues on and he shares that someone will betray him, will hand him over to the religious officials. And then he says it to Peter. We've preached a lot about Peter. We're all, we've all got a little bit of Pete in us. He tells Peter that Peter will deny him three times before the rooster crows. And Jesus says, as he continues, that he will prepare a place for them, for the disciples to follow him, and that they know the way where he is going. And we talked about this last week, and they say, we don't know the way where you're going. We don't know. And then Jesus says, which is what we preached last week, you can say it with me if you remember, I am the way and the truth and the life. And so that brings us to today's I am. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Jesus continues and says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, Jesus says, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. And so between the palms and the cross, between the parade and the crucifixion that Jesus knows is coming, Jesus uses this vineyard metaphor to prepare his disciples for what's coming, trying to help them see just how important it is for them to stay connected with him, even when he's no longer physically with them. I am the vine, he says. See, the vines are what connects to the roots, drawing the nourishment out of the soil. And then those vines at the other end connect to the branches which produce the fruit. So the vine is the lifeline of the plant. They do the work, moving the nourishment from the roots to the branches, again, producing fruit. Jesus is the vine. Jesus is the lifeline. As we're told over and over and over again in this book of, of John, not always by a vine metaphor, but we're told over and over, he is the life, right? He is the lifeline. He is our lifeline. And so Jesus is the vine, lifeline, and, and without the vine bringing nourishment from the roots the branches will wither and die. Apart from the vine, the branches are nothing. You're useless. They're worthless without the vine. You are the branches, True. Jesus says. You are the branches. Again, the branches are worthless without the vine. Jesus tells us, you're worthless without me. 
uh, we can go through life and we can spin our wheels, but without Jesus, we really are. Because we are designed for his purpose and his plan. Jesus says, stay connected to me and you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. God the Father is the vine dresser and he prunes all the branches that do not bear fruit. Pruning is not fun, is it? Pruning is not fun at all. God has pruned me more than once in this past week. I feel like I've been pruned, and it hurts, and it's painful, but it's necessary. We grow through that pruning, and whether it's a grapevine or whether it's you or whether it's me, pruning is necessary to get the best fruit possible. Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. That's an interesting word. Abide. How many have used that word abide in the last four weeks? Okay, everyone who just raised their hand is in this Bible study here that we're going to talk about in a second. Who, those not in the Bible study, huh? Let's see all the hands. It's not one of those words we use a lot, is it? It's one of them churchy words that we use like when we're talking about the vine and the branches, like this morning. It comes from a Greek word. Try to find the pronunciation. I got two different ones, meno, meno. Potato, potato, you know. It means to remain, to stay, to dwell, to live in, to be in a state that begins and continues, to abide. And so to abide in Christ means to stay with him, remain in him, live in him, be connected to him. And the flip is he abides in us, allow that to happen the reverse, that he's in us, living us, dwelling in us, a part of us means connected to him and the new life he offers. Amen? Amen. Amen. Christian teacher and speaker. What's her name, Carrie? Priscilla Shire. Let's see those hands again. Okay, those are the ones who used to Biden the last month. Here we go. Um, Shares in one of her teachings that, um, that this word abide is found 40 times just in the book of John. That's a lot in one book. For that word to be used, abide, it just says us, lets us know how serious Jesus is about this connection to him, this us and him, him and us, and real serious about these disciples staying connected to him, especially now when Jesus and these disciples are going to face the greatest challenges of their lives. Jesus knows the palms are past and the cross is coming. And he's doing all he can to prepare these disciples for what's coming. While Jesus is talking to his disciples, he talks to us as well, to you and to me. This word just wasn't for a time back then, but it is the living word of God. Jesus tells us that he is the vine, we are the branches, No branch can bear fruit by itself. No person can bear fruit without Jesus. And so our job as branches is to stay spiritually connected to the vine, to abide. Say abide. Abide. Let's not just put that word on the shelf. Let's use it. Let's take it in. Let's remember it. Abide. So that Jesus flows through us 
and we can bring forth fruit. And it's not our fruit, it's his fruit. It's holy fruit. As Priscilla shares in her teaching, abiding can be a real challenge in today's culture. It's a real challenge in 2019 and and this last decade. It's a culture that really encourages leaving rather than staying. It's a culture that encourages giving up rather than fighting for. It's a culture that encourages throw away instead of fix it. Abiding in this culture is such a challenge. But God says to abide. And by abiding, it takes hard work, really hard work. And it takes prayer and a whole lot of prayer. Keep in mind that it is never more challenging in our lives that when the branches are disconnected from the vine. We think life is challenging, but it gets real challenging when we're disconnected from Jesus. Disconnected for too long, we spiritually wither. Disconnected for too long, we spiritually die. Abide in me, Jesus says, and I in you. See, Jesus knows what's coming. He knows that he won't be there much longer in the flesh to lead these men that he's been leading for three years, to care for these men, to disciple these men, as he has been up till now, as they've been doing life together, ministry together, virtually sharing lives together for three years. He knows that his time here is short, and so he's doing everything he can to encourage his disciples to stay connected to him, to abide, even after he's gone. I I look at this whole speech as a pre-departure speech, a speech to encourage them while he still can, while things are still good, before everything goes south. See, he wants them to bear as much fruit as possible in the ministry that they're going to continue, this three-year ministry that he's calling them to take into the world. They're the ones going to share the message of the Messiah. They're going to be his hands, his feet, his voice, his ears when he's ascended to be with the Father in heaven. He's, they're the ones who are going to bring this message of salvation to the world. And the thing that just wrecks me is that Jesus knows what's coming. He knows what's coming and he hangs out with his disciples and he keeps teaching them. And he knows what's going to happen. They don't, even though he's tried to prepare them from whenever they started getting together. They don't. They don't know all the pain and suffering that Jesus will endure or the fear and anguish that will be their response when they see their Savior hanging from a cross. They don't realize, even though they've been told, that Jesus is sharing all this with them now because he won't be able to talk to them in a very short period of time. Hmm. I'd say this is the toughest week in the church, the week that we're about to enter. As we look ahead to what's known as Maundy or Holy Thursday and Good Friday. See, on Thursday, 
Jesus arrested and taken into custody, tried, not found guilty of the crimes he's tried for, and yet still given a death sentence by the Roman governor named Pilate in order to appease the cries of the people who are yelling, crucify him, in reference to Jesus. And they're being encouraged to do that by the religious leaders who are threat, feel threatened by him and by all he says and does. And then on Friday, he's hung on a cross, crucified, one of the cruelest executions ever devised by human beings. As the one who hangs on the cross does, hangs for hours until they're no longer able to keep their body up, and so they kind of curve in on themselves and eventually suffocate, can't breathe, take their last breath and die. And so after Jesus takes his last breath, he's taken down by two guys, one named Joseph of Arimathea and another guy named Nicodemus, who we read of earlier in the scriptures. He had a nighttime meeting with Jesus one time trying to figure this whole thing out. They prepare Jesus' body for burial by covering it with aloes and myrrh. They don't, they don't embalm. They cover it with spices. And then they wrapped it in linen and placed it in a borrowed tomb. Jesus has been preparing them all along. He's been talking to the disciples about what would happen, but the moment it happens, it all goes out the window. They forget. They forget what he's been teaching them, and they get really scared, and they scatter. Can you blame them? It's a very dark time, not only for them, but for all of Jesus's followers, all of Jesus's disciples. And even with all the preparation that Jesus has given them, they are fearful of life without him. You see, at that moment, those disciples don't have the perspective that we do. They don't know what's coming. Like if we've read our scriptures, we know what's coming. See, when we consider what happened to Jesus on Thursday, Friday, it's very, very dark and painful. And we typically have a Holy Thursday service here because we don't want you going from today, hallelujah, to Easter Sunday, I mean Hosanna today, to hallelujah, without knowing what happened in between. Jesus dying on a cross, being beaten and crucified in the horrible week. But unfortunately, this year we don't have Holy Thursday because it's just been crazy around here, not even knowing until last week very recently that, that we here. were going to be here this morning. But still important day. We encourage you to go to a Holy Thursday or someplace called Maundy Thursday service. There's one in town at Bethesda United Methodist Church right on Main Street. Encourage you to, to go there and, and be fed. And, and on Good Friday, there's a service at Dale Memorial United Methodist Church on Lake Street. We encourage you to join our brothers and sisters in those countries. We're going to go to Dale on Friday night and share a Good Friday service with them. We would strongly encourage you to do that. Yes, Holy Thursday and Good Friday. This Holy Week is very challenging and painful and and dark. But you see, Easter doesn't make sense without it. Easter doesn't make sense without it. You cannot have resurrection without death. I'm going to say that again. We, you cannot have resurrection without death. 
You cannot have forgiveness of sin without sacrifice. Got to say that one again. You cannot have forgiveness of sin without sacrifice. You can't have Easter without what happened on Thursday and Friday. We can't go from Palm Sunday parade to the empty tomb on Easter without the cross, without the grave, as painful as they are. The beauty of all this for us, unlike the disciples who were eyewitnesses to him hanging on a cross on Thursday and Friday, on Thursday, and thinking it was over when he took his last breath on Friday. They're thinking, that's it. When he died on the cross on Friday, as far as they were concerned, it's over. It's over. But see, <laughs> we know better, don't we? We know it's not over. We know there's something more. We know the best is yet to come, don't we? Because we know the end of the story. You ever read a, a novel and you read ahead and, oh boy, that ruined that book, you know. This doesn't ruin our book, does it? We know the end of the story, so we know this thing just gets better and better and better. No matter how painful it is for us on Thursday and Friday, we know the best is yet to come. You remember Yogi, Yogi Berra said, it's not over till it's over. Well, when we're in Jesus Christ, we only cut, we cut that in half. It's never over. With Jesus, it's never over. And then as followers of Jesus Christ, that becomes our battle cry, doesn't it? That becomes our battle cry amidst all the challenges of life, all the challenges that we face, those day-to-day -day realities of living, amidst the highs and lows of this abundant life that Jesus died to give us, we know that no matter how bad things get, no matter how things change, no matter how far south they go on Thursday, we know Sunday's coming. No matter how bad Thursday gets, no matter how much we just wish it would go away, we know as followers of Jesus Christ that Sunday's coming. Now, some I see shaking your head, you... You get the Sunday piece. And some of you are sitting going, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about, man. Because I'm in Thursday. I've been in Thursday. And the way it's looking, I'm going to stay in Thursday for a really long time. And Thursday's not a good place, is it? Thursday's a dark place. Thursday's a place where you don't see an out. Thursday's a place where you wonder if it's ever going to end and you wish it was sooner rather than later. Well, here's the good news. See, you don't have to stay in Thursday. Sunday can come for you too. And, and it's really not very complicated. It's a, a pretty simple thing. It has to do with an invitation. Jesus, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And I, I can't save myself. And from what I understand, from all this talk here in this Connection Church, you're the guy. <laughs> you're the one that can save me. Lord, here I am. Take me. <laughs> I'm the branch, Lord, be my vine. Connect me up. That's all you got to do. Lord, Lord, I'm a sinner. Uh, 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 please help me to go in a new direction. Not just I'm sorry, but help me. That's what repentance is. Help me go in a new direction. 
Help me not be the one I used to be. Help me find that new life we keep talking about. Help me be that new person that we keep talking about in church. Lord, all it takes to get from Thursday to Sunday is say, Lord, here I am. Lord, here I am. Yeah, we got some people here that love to help you get from Thursday to Sunday. He says, I'm hands in the back. Yeah, Mike and Maria. <laughs> they love, they just love helping people get from Thursday to Sunday, don't you? Can I get an amen? Yeah. Because we don't want to be Thursday people, do we? We don't want to be stuck on the cross. When, we were in Korea, when I was in Korea, we were in Korea a few years ago, there's this prayer mountain. And you go up these various stages, and then there's the cross. you got to be careful not to stop there. There's a little path that goes around the cross, goes on up the mountain to the empty tomb. See, far too often we stop at the cross. And the cross is good because it represents that sacrifice you talked about, that sacrifice to sin. Jesus pays the sacrifice for us. We don't have to. But if we stop at the cross, it means death won. If we stop at the cross, we're stopping Thursday and, Thursday and Friday, aren't we? See, we've got to go past the cross to the empty tomb. We've got to get to Sunday. It might be Thursday, but Sunday's coming. Say it with me. It might be Thursday, but Sunday's coming. Easter Sunday is coming. Amen. Easter Sunday's coming. For us, it's coming at 8.30, 10, and 11.30. That's the good news. Easter Sunday is the good news of Jesus Christ. We look forward to seeing you there too. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's the good news of the gospel, the word of God. Let's believe it and let's live it. Amen? Amen? Amen. Would you pray with us, please? Almighty God, we thank you so much for this day. It's a historical day. It's a day that you knew so long ago, and we are just humbled to be here, God. But it's not necessarily about right here. It's about what happens when we leave here, how we put you on, how we are fruit to a world that needs you desperately. God, I've prayed the prayer, whatever it takes. It's a dangerous prayer. But whatever it takes, Lord, use us so that we can be a beacon of light and hope where people see you through us. Lord, you are the great I am. And we give you all the honor and the glory and the praise in the name of the Father and the Son and by the power of God's Holy Spirit. And everybody at Connection Church on this first Sunday that we worship together said, Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.